I don't know if you can hear me. I hope my mic is working. Good morning, beautiful people. Happy uh, Tuesday. I'm back from fresh from Martha's Vineyard. Had a good dog on time, let me tell you. Oh, I'm tired. I'm still tired. Well, I'm tired from sitting on the porch last night, chatting it up. But yeah, so we, we uh, me, Ife and Marquisha, trek to our, our, our homeland of Martha's Vineyard to work on the uh, Jazz on the Vineyard uh, uh, scholarship concert with um, Will Downing and Samaria um, Joy. And let me tell you, it was a joy. It was, it was a lot of work, let me tell you. And uh, if we ever go back to the jazz concert, baby, we're going as patrons. We're not, we're not working it. It was a lot of work, but it was well worth it to spend time with Samaria Joy. Samara Joy. Um, she is, her name suits her. She is a joy and a delight. Uh, and, it's, and it's, you know, it's, it's a wonderful thing to watch somebody at the beginning of their career and you see the trajectory for greatness. You see it. And uh, she, she's, she's no shrinking violet. And she's poised and elegant and beautiful and kind and generous of heart and mind. I mean, she really is an amazing young sister. So anyway, thank you for tuning in to Love Babs Love Talk. Y'all know I'm Babs Rawls Ivy. And uh, I am back for this week. And then I'm gone for another week for actual vacation where I am untethered and not in not and not beholden to anybody's time for me. So although I love what I do and I do love it, the, everybody needs time away and time to recharge and rejuvenate and reflect and all the things. So um, I'm, I'm back to the vineyard next week, baby, for a week. And I will be at the beach every single day. <laughs> I didn't get to the beach at all while I was there uh, last week. I didn't, I didn't get there. That's all right. I mean, you know, I had other things. We stayed, we stayed at some really interesting places. Thank you. Shout out to Jen for uh, extending her home to us. Um, listen, it's, it's a, it's a wonderful thing to just know people on the Island and lots of folks. I got to meet my, uh, my longtime friend, uh, Danielle Ricks, who we've been friends. I don't know, since Twitter and Facebook began, uh, we were friends. And, uh, and so we finally met up in person on the vineyard uh, for breakfast. <laughs> and it was wonderful. I didn't get a chance to catch up to uh, Victoria Christopher Murray, uh, but we texted each other and chatted it up with each other. So I didn't get a chance to see her, but I did talk to her. And lots of people, we had lots of people. On, and there were so many talks going on. And uh, we saw uh, 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 Eric Clemens because he came up because this is Black Philanthropy Month. August is Black Philanthropy, Philanthropy Month. So he came up to, to do some of that with the folks like I saw Kalila, uh, uh, Dr. Kalila Dean Brown. We saw her uh, and her family because she was up for part of that um Black philanthropy, community foundation stuff. And uh, I was just like, all right, let's do it. So uh, so I will have Orsilla 
uh, Reverend Ursella Hughes, who's the uh, executive director of the um, the executive director of the uh, Prosperity Foundation, uh, um, this week. Because you know, I got to, I've got to have some conversation about Black philanthropy. I am a Black philanthropist. I actually like saying that. Uh, I have a fund that sits, um, an endowed fund actually that I started that sits at a. Uh, um, that sits at uh at the Prosperity Foundation, and uh, you know, so uh, yeah, so I'm excited, I'm excited to uh to be doing that to be doing that work. So um, uh, so I got some folks on this morning at ten fifteen. I've got uh Jonathan Berryman come on. I love talking to Jonathan because he's he's very interesting and intellectual and funny. So we can talk about education and music and whatever he wants to talk about. We'll do that. So so I tell you, when you get off the ferry, when I came back, as soon as we got on the ferry, the news was on. Now I have not I've not seen any news whatsoever since we left on Thursday. So I have been out of the news loop. I don't even know what's happening in the world. Uh, I even I didn't check the news feeds on my phone or any of that because you know I just you get on the island and you just lose all track of time and world kinds of things uh, you just can't help it so anyway I uh, I don't know what's happening in the world I suspect when I get back to my office today I'll watch it. I didn't even really watch any news when I I went we got in yesterday I went right to my office dropped everybody off went to my office. Because, you know, a whole paper's got to get out. So I didn't really pay. The news was on, but I didn't pay attention. I was so focused on so I could, when I walk in today, I'm not behind the eight ball. I'm I'm ahead of the game. So I don't know what's going on in the world. I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll take a look. I'll take a look-see and see what's going on in the world and who is still with us and who isn't and uh, and that kind of thing. So, so yeah. And... Ta-da! I got into the uh, Yale Access to Law program, which is uh, a law school prep program. Well, it's an LSAT, Law School Admittance Test uh, Prep. So it's a prep for that, to take the LSAT, which um, uh, I will be taking next June, 2023. So that means uh, this is a two-year commitment, which is fine. This year, next year. Um, uh, or this year, next year. Yeah, this year, next year. Uh, so, uh, I'm gonna get it in. I'm, I'm, I'm going to embark down this journey on my way to law school. We'll see what happens. I mean, you know, the, uh, if anything, I, I'll go through this process and be like, eh, I don't know if I want to go to law school. Eh, we'll see. Or I, I get in this thing and I'm excited and I'm fired up and, uh, and I want to do it. Now, I'm not going to say what else I want to do. There's another component to this dream. There's another component. I don't want to share until I get close to. I'll share that component once I get through and start applying to law schools. You know, like, because that'll be the, I got to get to the LSAT first. Do you know what I mean? Like, I got to I gotta get to the LSAT. And then once I get to the LSAT, And and hopefully do well enough so somebody will want me to come to the damn school. 
Uh, and, I, and I don't want to go far. <laughs> and, I, and I can't afford it. So there's, there's that part. <laughs> there's that part. Um, I don't want to go far. And, uh, but, I, but that's all, that's, that's, that's neither here nor there in this moment. Right now, the first class, the, the first Saturday Academy starts September 10th and I'll be ready. So I, I've already, I've already decided my approach and how I'm going to do this. Now there's going to be a few things I'm going to have to give up to put my mind in the right, right in the right academic frame of mind so I can be prepared. You know, I can't, I can't run the streets. I'm going to have to put a little bit of a moratorium on running the streets for a bit. I'll go to some things, but I can't go to all the things because I know this is going to require a huge commitment of time huge so i want to give it all i want to give it all i got and keep rising to the top give it all you got yes i'm I'm gonna do that so so it's exciting it i was sitting on this for a minute um until i got my acceptance letter that i'm in uh and i'm in so i'm i'm very very excited and looking forward to it so but anyway Back to the vineyard. Um, saw some amazing people. Uh, met some amazing people. You know, there's all kinds of famous people on the vineyard, right? They just walk right by you. Like all kinds of famous people. You say hi, they say hi. They, you ask to take a picture, they're like, okay, cool. <laughs> but, you know, people don't swarm them, right? Like you don't get swarmed. You don't get swarmed. So, uh so I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. So, so I, I will tell you, um, at my age, I, I will tell you the story that I was, I was, um, sharing with somebody about why I decided to do this, this law school prep. I had James Foreman on when they first launched, I guess, two years ago before the pandemic. And I, and I was intrigued by it and I knew then I wanted to do it, but I was like, I was. I was like 50, 57 or 58 at the time. And I just, you know, and I normally don't think like this, but you know, when it's your own life and you're making these major decisions, you do give pause to things. Lucky, lucky, luckily for me, I'm smart enough to know I'm not a fool. So I thought about this for a minute. I'm, I'm back to the access thing. Yale, Yale access to law. So I, I thought about it and I was like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm a little, I'm going to be probably the oldest person in class. So I, so I didn't apply then because I thought it was new. I knew it was new and I, I didn't want to, I didn't. So when it came around again, I said, you know what? I'm putting my hat in. And I had talked about it with some folks like who were considering doing it. And I just knew in that moment that if I was going to do this, I had to just be stealth and just do it and not keep talking about it to people because what happens is when you talk about people, talk about it with people, and you hear their trepidation, their trepidations become your trepidations, and then you start you start going down a path of a, of agreement on why you can't do it. Oh, I don't have time. I don't. I I, I was like, well, I don't, I don't have any kids in school. I don't. I don't. Nobody's PTA. I'm not. I'm just on a few boards, but I mean, those boards don't meet every week. They meet once once a month during the week. So. I mean, that can't that can't be the barrier, is it? 
So as I was thinking, then I started thinking about my age. So I'm like, I'm 59 now. I'll be 60 next year when I take the LSAT. So as I was contemplating this, <laughs> everything, everything around people graduating at, at these ridiculously old ages came across my wires at the inner city. Yeah, because we belong to a couple of news wires. That's where I get a lot of the international news and the, the and news from around the country going on in black communities from, from black news wires. And I'm telling you, I'm, I was telling this to my friend Jill, who is an attorney in Ohio. I was telling this to my friend Jill. I said, Jill, every time I would fix my mouth to say, you know what, I might be too old to be doing this. I would see some 89-year-old man getting his PhD <laughs> or, or a 70-year-old grandmother getting going back to college, graduating college with a granddaughter or some mother who raised her children and now she's going back to get her master's degree, you know, 60 years old. And I thought, okay, God, I, I see you. I see what you're doing. I, okay, I hear you. And so I, then I just said, you know what? These years are going to come and go whether I'm in this program or not. Whether I'm in the program or not, the time is going to come and go. So I might as well just be in the program. If this is, I want to do this. I've been, I always wanted to do it. So I was like, now is the time to do it. Well, I, I'm still in control of my right mind and I have mobility. So what, I, you know, what? So, so yeah, so I'm taking the LSAT. I'm going to this prep, prep program. I'm going to work hard and I'm going to do it. And I will keep y'all updated as I move through this. For this time in my life of doing a new thing. And that's really what life is, right? For me, it's really about staving off Alzheimer's. You know, you keep a sharp mind. That's that's the way. You know, staving off Alzheimer's is, is critical to me. And the way to do it is um, do things, do things, and then um, and have a circle of friends. Have good, good friends. So that's what I'm doing. I have a good circle of friends. We travel, we do the things. I, I'm excited. So, you know, I'm doing it. So I'll keep you all posted. We'll see. I mean, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. So I, I want to be a freedom fighter. I mean, I think I'm already a freedom fighter, but I want to use the master's tools to take down the master's house. That's really, that's really what I want to do. I, I, I want to use, they, they, you know, it's always said that it can't be done. Uh, but, uh, I'm gonna try. <laughs> Woo! You know what? I'm gonna try. So, uh, we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. So let's see how this goes. We'll see how it goes, child. Um, but yeah, back from, back, back to the vineyard. It's wild. And, uh, and uh yeah people people always asking me crazy things i don't know <laughs> I, don't, I don't i don't know somebody asked me a question that took me off guard just now i don't know how to answer it i never even thought about it this way I've, i'm always asked to do things in a, in another realm but somebody asked me to do something else and i've never considered it in that way i can't say what it is because i don't want to but 
I've never considered it. So now, now it's like in my mind, it's like, uh, so that's why there was this pause because I was reading somebody's ask of me, you know, and I was like, what? No, I don't know. Maybe. Uh-huh. <laughs> I hate my kids to do that. My kids go, uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry. What language is that? <laughs> They're like, huh? I'm like, if you can hunt, you can hear. You heard me. <laughs> if you can hunt, you can hear. So anyway, that's the, that's 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 what's news at, at my house. I don't know what's news at your house. The weather, we came back to beautiful weather. The weather seems cool and delicious. I had to water my plants because I didn't tell my daughter to water my plants. And uh, and I'm not going to assume that she knows what to do. Like, I can't assume that she'll walk by the plants and like, oh, they look like they need some water. I, I can't assume that because, you know, she's not even, she's not, she's not going to pay attention to, to the plants. Just not. So, uh-huh. <laughs> I don't, I just don't know. I don't, I don't know. So we'll see what happens. I warded them. Hopefully they'll come back to life. That's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that they'll come back to life. So, so anyway, um, I enjoyed Samara Joy. Oh, and I, I had, she entrusted me with, with selling her merchandise. You know, I, I am a salesman by, by, by nature. <laughs> I was telling people, I was like, listen, when they was going in, cause I was on, I was on the side of the VIP um, admittance off, off to the right of the stage. And she shouted me out from the stage. She's like, my merch is on sale. Babs is over there handling my merch. And I jumped out there and raised my hands. And there was some Deltas in the room who knew me. So you heard the, ooh. So, yeah, that was cool. So, anyway, so I was telling people before they went in there, before the show started, I said, listen, listen, listen. You're going to want this CD after you hear her. So I'm going to tell you, you should get the CD now because they're going to sell out. And people was, so I, I, when I got my first, the CDs were $20 and T-shirts were $30. And people were coming by. Everybody went in. I said, listen, listen, listen. Get your CD now. I said, have you heard her? No. You've never heard her? No. I said, she's 22 years old. She has a compelling story. And she has a voice that's going to change your life. I said, you want this CD? I said, don't. I said, listen, you're going to run out here. And then you're going to try to hustle me for a CD. And they're going to be all sold out. (laughs) I was doing that to everybody. I was like, listen, you not heard her. And some people walk by like, yeah, whatever, girl. We're going to go here. We're here for Will Downing. That's really what people were saying. Well, we're here for Will Down. We don't know who she is. Baby, baby, she set that stage on fire. She got a standing ovation. Standing ovation. And then what and what happens? All these little people running out here trying to get CDs. Sold them out. So I sold all but five or something. And that's because it was getting late and the concert had a hard stop at 8.15. I was like, mm-mm, I'm not gonna stand out here. So, so her t-shirts all sold out. Whatever she brought, she sold out. I was like, okay, girl. Her CD showed out and, uh, uh, her, her, I mean, her t-shirt sold out. I had a good time. I really had a good time. And, uh, I was just taking cash. So I had, I was handling all her cash. I felt like a, I felt like a drug dealer in a strip club. <laughs> I really could have made it rain somewhere. She made over about, she made like a thousand sixty, thousand seventy, just in merch. And she didn't have a lot of merch. She had t-shirts and CDs. 
thousand dollars quick. I counted it up. I was like a, I was like a, like a hustler, baby, hustler, baby. I was, I took a little napkin. I wrote down the bill denominator, you know, like one $100 bill, a hundred, 20, 20, I mean, like 70, $20. You know what I mean? Like it was that kind of thing. So I was like, okay, you got 40, $20 bills, 70, $10 bills, $65 bills. And then I ran the totals on the side. I was like, I felt like a drug dealer. I did. And the people, I was, people was putting money up. I was like, okay, okay, okay. But it was fun. People were nice. I had a good time. I love that kind of energy. I love it. I love it. I like to talk to people and crack up with people. I, listen, a woman walked by, had on a pair of badass earrings. I came from behind the table, ran up on her. I said, mm, those earrings are gorgeous. And she said, I'll send you a pair. I was like, what? So I thought, I, so she's like, give me, a, give me a phone number. I'll send you a pair. So I gave her, I gave her my phone number. The next day she sent me a text. Hey, Babs, I, I, give me your address. I'm going to send you a pair. What color do you want? So I thought she was going to send me like a link to her shop or something where I could just go buy them. Or she's going to send me, she's going to send me a, she's going to send me a bill or something. She's like, no, I'll send them to you. What color do you want? She's like, these are the denim ones, but I do them in leather too. I said, well, purple, <laughs> my hair, <laughs> purple, <laughs> I, purple. So, so she's like, okay, I'll send them to you. And she's like, I don't know, in Maryland, some damn where, like, she was on the VIP side. That means they spend a lot of money for their tickets. But she looked amazed. Those earrings were, you know, I love a good earring. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. I love a good earring. Marquis just have an earring store. <laughs> at first, I was like, "What girl?" And I was like, "Yeah, no, she's right. <laughs> I have a, I have an earring store. <laughs> we saw Eddie Cloud. We saw um, Kirsten, uh, Kirsten. Uh, you know the violinist. The, you know the black violinist woman. She who was amazing. She's very beautiful. I saw her. Uh, Let's see. Uh, there was a. I mean, we saw a bunch of people. It was all kinds of people, and uh, I was like, mm. "So yeah." So I, I, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, so she just I wait and see what this woman sends me the purple leather earrings that I just loved on her and watch me wear them. I will wear them too. You know, I'll wear them. I will wear them and uh, we'll see what happens. But that that's how the week was. I mean, people were just gracious and kind. You know, the thing about Martha's Vineyard is for black people, for us, is that when we get there, it is the most relaxing time. It's the most, everybody is at, now, listen, you get back on the island and you you go back to, I hate everybody. I don't want to speak to people. If I see you on the street, I don't got no words for you kind of thing. But when you're on the island, it's as if everybody's from North Carolina. Hey, how you doing? How you? How you? Good morning. Good afternoon. Y'all have a good night. Where y'all from? <laughs> You know, 
that's my whole life right there. <laughs> that's my most favorite thing is to, hey, how you doing, baby? How you doing? How you doing, sugar? How you doing? And to see black children walk freely in town without police checking them or people staring at them or, I mean, these kids just look so relaxed. I rarely see relaxed black kids in in places. I rarely see it. So when you see it, it takes your breath away to see relaxed black children. It takes your breath away. And, uh, and I'm talking about black kids of an age where uh, the cops is always checking them for the way they look, for the way they are, for the clothes they wear, for the hair, for the music, for it's black skin. Just, you know, because black skin is weaponized through the lens of the white gaze. And so when you look through the lens of the white gaze, all you see is you don't see a black boy or a black girl. What you see is a weapon and a weapon that you must disarm by any means necessary. And that's usually shoot to kill, you know. So that's so when you're on these streets, you see these kids are hard looking because they, at any given time, they could be put upon, right? So when you're on Martha's, and I'll tell anybody, if you got young kids, start taking them to the vineyard now so they can be at, they can learn something about being at ease. I know people have their vacations. They want to go to Disney. They want to go to all these places. I get it. I understand it. I know you like the beach and we have beaches in Connecticut, but there's something very magical about Martha's Vineyard and black people. And they're white people there, don't get me wrong, but we outnumber them. So they're not going to pop off, right? And if they do, it's it's not going to be pretty for them. It's not going to go well for them. So, so, so it's not, the white people are there know something about black people. I think, you know, they're not, they're not unaccustomed to being around black people. Whereas, you know, you go someplace with white people, they're not accustomed to black people and they're just weird, you know, uptight and out their bag and out of pocket. So it's not, you know, so, so, so the white people show up in it, but it's not in, of consequence to us because we just black and beautiful. You know, black is luxury. You know, black is luxury. So, so when you see us and you will see us and we are all looking fabulous. I mean, everybody's looks fabulous and not, not fabulous. Like everybody's done up. No, I don't, I don't mean like, I mean, there is, there's something about black people being relaxed. That is a beautiful thing to see. And if you've not experienced it, you go take your, listen, pay whatever you have to pay, take your kids to Martha's Vineyard and let them have a good time and let them be amongst people who, who look like them, who going to speak to them, who's going to admire and adore them. You walk down the street and, you know, uh, but you got, you know, go, go in black, black ass August, you know, go at the beginning of August or at the end of August or start going in June, whatever. I think most black people start going in, you know, June and July, and August, September. And they're black people who live there year round. So they have a wonderful library. I mean, it's all kinds of cool stuff. We, we, uh, the first night that we got there, we stopped at the VFW because Chef Dion, and if y'all don't know Chef Dion, do, are you even eating? I mean, seriously, Chef Dion took, it runs a restaurant out of the VFW. It's a wonderful marriage of two things meeting each other. The VFW, y'all know how VFWs get down, you know, um, they, they're just halls. So he came, put a restaurant in that Joker, and now it is it is like a well kept 
public secret. <laughs> he, was in a, he was featured in the New York Times, for God's sake. So if you're not going over there to see Chef Dion, and he's Caribbean. I think he has another spot, too, on the island. Um, but if you're not going over there to eat some of that food, the way he cook it, baby, are you even eating? So I was there. We had, uh, what did I have? I don't even know what I had. It was so good. I think I had salmon. I want to say I had fish with some kind of fish dish. It wasn't fried fish. It was, you know, like, you know, grilled or something. It was good. And, uh, you know, vegetables and, you know, the way that Jamaicans make it. So, but anyway, back to black children. So you see these black children, they're so relaxed. They're riding their bikes, they're playing basketball, you know, because there's stuff to do. There's tennis courts, basketball courts. There's all that stuff, swimming for days and, you know, the ocean, the inkwell, you know, uh, it's just stuff to do. And, uh, and to see them walk down the street with their clique, you know, with their friends. And they just look beautiful. And, you know, a lot of these kids are affluent and, and, and some are moderately affluent, you know, and they, you know, you speak to them and, you, and, and, you know, I was, I was sitting on the porch. I was like, you look beautiful. Y'all look beautiful. And you can see them. You can see the smiles on their faces. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I just love it. I just, I just love it. Or I see the little old, my, you know, the older, older sorority women walking by, you know, in their finery, you know, cause older sisters, they don't, they're not playing around in loungy stuff. They're, they're, this is not, you know, if you see an old black woman in loungy stuff, that means, I, I don't know what that means. Cause I, you just don't see it unless it's sparkly. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I'm talking about? It, it, everything's going to just look well, well. It's going to be right. It's going to be right. You know? So I just, I love it for that reason. I love that I stroll down the street and I see so many black people and they look at, you could look at them. We look at each other. We look at each other and we smile and everybody's super uber kind. I tell you what though, I went into a damn salad shop. I had a $30 damn salad. I, I don't think I've ever paid that much for lettuce in my life. I think that'd be like six, seven bags from Stop and Shop. It's like 30, but it, it was good. And I've never seen a a, a, a a restaurant. Like it's one of these built, they build it, right? But it was a very slow process. I was like, girl, this is just lettuce. And so that's like, what is happening? <laughs> Let me go. So, the, so you get assigned your own salad maker and they stick with your salad from beginning to end. That's why it takes so long. You know, like if you go to Chipotle, they just slam, slide your damn dish down to the next person and uh, and keep it moving. But they pride themselves that this, I think it's called MV Salad, MV Salad. They pride themselves on, you, you get your assigned salad maker and they walk with you through your salad making. <laughs> I was like, all right. And then they have all this juice, these little drinks up, like not soda and that kind of stuff, but, you know, watermelon, ginger, uh, hibiscus, you know, watermelon, mint, hibiscus, ginger, spa water, which, you know, is lemons and cucumbers and basil, um, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and you can drink as much as you want. I mean, because it's a $30 salad, damn it. And, uh, and whatever the drink costs, which is what, six, $7. I mean, it's, it's not cheap. And then we, the, the first day we were there, we went to a little vegan spot around the, around the corner from our hotel. Another, another $30 breakfast for a little 
vegan sandwich, like some kind of vegetable salad on a bread. Like, and, and, a, and a watermelon drink. I was like, fresh, fresh watermelon juice. I was like, like I can't, I can't eat out here all the time. This, this is, this is pricey. This is a little bit. And so we met a young couple, uh, Danny Reyes. I'm going to send him a message. for them. But he has, um, he does, um, Paul, let me tell you, you, you think you're having a heart attack. Listening, L- listen, every time I had to put my money on the table, I was like, oh, I was like, I, I got I to gotta figure out another way to do this. But, you know, you do it because it's, it's what it is. There's no, there's no other, there's no cheaper way to eat. <laughs> you know, you might as well just say everything is $30. You're just going to be at the $30 price point every meal. Unless you go fancier. There's no going cheaper. I don't even think there's a McDonald's or a Burger King on that island. I, I've not seen it. So I, I, I've not seen one. And I've been going for 20 years. So I could be wrong, but I've not seen it. Um, so... <laughs> So, so yeah, it, you know, the, 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 the jazz concert folks, uh, Tony Williams and them, they, they, the, the first, that first night they bought us Dion's, um, di- bought us dinner at Dion's, which was really nice. Um, I mean, we didn't, we didn't, they, you didn't, we didn't run around eating, eating, eating. First of all, there was no time to do that. So they had to like, and then they had food in the, in the, the parish house became our green room. They, we cleaned it up, tricked it out, became the green room for the artist. Beautiful little parish house, you know, across the street from the church. I took pictures for, and across from the tabernacle proper. So there was always food there. So we didn't, we, you didn't, we weren't starving. You know, they had curry chicken and rice and peas and a beautiful salad and desserts. You know, all the stuff and waters and sodas and all that kind of stuff. So you could always eat in the green room. There's food around the clock in that place. So, so yes, yeah, so that's what we did. We did that. Uh, but when we did go out to eat, you know, we, we went to a Thai restaurant, um, which was across the street from the Oak Bluffs Inn, which is a very nice inn, by the way. Enjoyed my stay there. We stayed there one night. We stayed. So we got there. We stayed at the dockside. What time is it? Okay. We stayed at the dockside. And then um, from there, we spent, I guess, two nights at the dockside. Then... Uh, uh, we spent one night at, at our girlfriend's house, our Sora's house. Uh, and then the, the, our last night we spent at the Oak Bluffs Inn. And uh, it was very nice. It was very nice. So that's where I had a porch takeover. We took over the porch and sat out there and drank wine and talked and laughed and met other people who were visiting. Uh, we met a young couple. We met this young couple. They missed the ferry. And they came back. Now, they were scheduled to stay the next day. They just came over for the day because they were one of the sponsors to the concert. So he is a tequila tequila maker, new to this, I guess. His name is uh, Danny Reyes, um, Yave Tequila. Beautiful bottle. So um, I heard their story, listened to them. I was like, hey, Tony, blah, 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 blah. I said, Tony, you know, do you, can you help them? Like, how do we... So anyway, she called around and she got room for them. It was like, hold on to your hat, hat hold on to your, your piece, Paul. It was like $450 for the night. They paid it, but they left their car on the mainland on the street. 
because it was supposed to just be a day trip. So you could park on the street for, you know, eight, 10 hours or whatever, but you have to be off the street like by 1 a.m. or something. So anyway, their car got towed. So that was another 160, 180. So he got his, got his car back and he brought it across, came across on the ferry the next day. So, uh, so because I, I, I guess they thought I was nice to them or whatever. So they gave me two bottles of tequila, a coconut tequila, which you know I don't really like flavored things, but it was good. It was good. It was smooth, smooth, smooth. And and a blanco, which which I like. I, I like a blanco or resopado. But they gave me the bottle was big and beautiful. So they gave me two bottles. He's like, I try this. You'll this is my favorite. I think you'll like it. I was like, I don't know, I don't know. But you know, I'm not gonna turn down no good ass free tequila. What? 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 So. So, so we opened a tequila at, 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 at Jen's house and, and there was cigar peddlers at the sponsors at the, um, at the, uh, they had a Havana night at the VFW. It was part of the jazz scholarship thing, separate, but part of. So they, we helped decorate that, get it ready for Havana night. Lovely, lovely little space. Um, but there were um, black cigar makers um, providing cigars. So we, me and Markeisha, we bagged them up um, to get them ready. You know, you've got cigars, a cutter, and uh, a little box of matches. Very nice. Nice bag, too. Like, nice Ziploc bag to keep the humidity tight and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, Ada gave me a bag at the end of the night. Now she she sent the bag to me, uh, to uh, uh, cigars, um, and then uh, Ife got a bag. She she um, uh, Tony gave Ife her bag so that she could have one, and uh, I, uh, Ada had gave me a bag specifically because I told her I was a cigar smoker. So I smoke cigars, and I think I I told her that because I was telling her. The way she set up her little situation, her little seating, I thought it was too close, too close together. And, you know, I was like, well, you know, I'm a cigar smoker. People don't really like to sit on top of each other when they're smoking cigars like that. I guess she thought, well, everybody's smoking. What difference does it make kind of? She was like that kind of attitude, you know, but she was trying to not rise to that pettiness, but she did. <laughs> I was like, okay, girl. So I guess she felt like she was being extra petty, so she made sure I had a bag. <laughs> like, okay, girl, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> so anyway, so we opened the tequila and we smoked the cigars. Let me tell you something about a good damn cigar. When the ash can rise and sit on that cigar and the smoke could curl through, that's a good cigar. That's a that's a fine, fine, fine handmade cigar where the ash is tight and can rise those cigars were i I have i have some in my bag still i think i have one or two it was beautiful i was like "Ooh, this is a good cigar i think it was three three cigar makers i want to say three different three different cigar makers it was it was a beautiful thing i was like okay okay this was this might be worth. They're the little perks that are worth it. So I'm a, I'm gonna save the uh, Yave tequila for tequila night on the porch. Um, sometime when I get back, what, sometime in September. We'll we'll 
before I start this law access program because I cannot be trying to study hard things and, you know, be trying to like toast it up. <laughs> Do I want to be a baller, a shot caller? <laughs> What, 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 what I want to do? What I want to do? It's like I make hard decisions. These first world decisions. <laughs> first world decisions. Anyway, anyway, um, they gave me tequila in this very beautiful bottle. I left my, left the other bottle at the, at Jen's house. Uh, we had drank it. It was like only maybe a, a, like maybe, maybe a shot left in the bottle, but I wanted the bottle and I should have said something. I didn't realize it. Um, we just packed up and we left. So I did have some car trouble on the island, though. My my car, when I dropped um, Samara Joy off in her band, and wonderful people, beautiful, beautiful band. I dropped them at the airport. I picked them up, too, but I dropped them back at the airport. I brought my car back. I turned it off. I turned it back on. It wouldn't start. I was like, oh, boy. Now, I know my battery is weak because my little mechanic told me that. But I didn't have time to have him change it. I was like, listen, I think I'll be fine. He's like, well, you may need to jump. I was like, all right. Well, I got cables in my car. So I left it alone. I came back and started with no problem. Yesterday morning when we were about to leave, thank God we got up. We was out the door at 6.15 because we had to catch the 7 o'clock fare. Let me tell you this whole crazy story before we go on break. So we get up at 6. We get out the door at 6.15. Like we out the door, out the end door at 6.15. I get to my car. The car won't turn over. It's six o'clock in the morning. Six, no, it's, it's six o'clock in the morning. We're out. So we're out and it's quiet on the street, right? Like it's like just deathly quiet. And you hear the car just cough and then it won't start over. So I was like, I started texting the people I know. And I, Eric was the innkeeper of Oak Bluffs Inn, woke his ass up. And he was like, it's early. <laughs> He's like, give me, give me a few minutes. I woke Tony up. Tony comes out of her room to see how she could be of help. And across the street is this little Asian man in a van. I don't know what he's doing. I think he was delivering food or something. Deli- you know, delivering, making a delivery. He had a little van, little truck, minivan, had a minivan. So, you know, my voice can carry a long way. So I was like, sir, sir. So he turned around. I said, can you give us a job? Oh, and I, I texted my friend Amanda, who, who is on the island now. I said, so I said, I was texting everybody that I knew because I need we need to get on that seven o'clock ferry because God knows when we get another ferry out and we need to get home. So he came and there was a car next to me and then a wall, a path and a wall. So he couldn't get his car. So we're trying to figure it out. He's like, put the car in neutral, let's push it. So I get in the car. Ife, Markeisha, Tony, and the little Asian man pushed the car out so that he could we could jump it. We get it jumped. Hooray. So he's like, where are y'all from? We're like, oh, from Connecticut. He's like, where in Connecticut? New Haven. He's like, oh, I'm from Milford. <laughs> We're like, hi, neighbor. <laughs> so um, so Markeisha said, um, I hope it doesn't, I hope it doesn't die. If we get out, if we get to the ferry and we, cause we have to turn the car off in the ferry. He's like, Oh, I wouldn't worry about you. You got a car full of, you got a, you got a, a ferry full of cars. Somebody will jump you. <laughs> we didn't have to, we didn't need to jump though. We got to the ferry. Cause once we, so we get, we get to where I believe the, the, we're supposed to, we're at the Oak Bluffs ferry. That's not where we're supposed to be. 
It's about six. It's about six forty at this point. I look at the little reservation sheet. I was like, "Oh, we're supposed to be in Vineyard Haven." Now, Vineyard Haven is just like three three point five miles away, so it's like a fifteen minute jaunt, and it's early in the morning, so it's a it's a straight shot. <laughs> Woo! We burned down these roads getting to Vineyard Haven to make this damn ferry. We're going on the wrong side. Cars are coming out of the ferry. The man was like, hey, hey, hey. I was like, I don't know where to go. He's like, oh, just go back out. Take that first left, first, second left. Okay. We, we get out. We check in. We get in the line. And then we, we get on the ferry. <laughs> that was that was way too much excitement first thing in the morning. So now I got to get a new battery. I need a new battery. I need a new battery. And I'm going to get one before we go to, uh, before we leave, before we drive back up to uh, Woods Hole. We got to get another, I'll get another battery. Cause I, I well, I have to, cause I don't want to go through that foolishness and I'm not taking my car over. I'm going to leave it in the lot. So, um, so damn, if I want to come back to a dead car, I don't want that problem. So, so yeah, so we need a new, we're going to put a new, I'm going to put a new battery in it. Now, first I got to find the money to do that. So whatever that takes, <sighs> I should have been a private dancer in my other life. I'm telling you, I should have been, I should have been, I should have been when everything was high and tight and flat. Not now. I can't do it now. I, I think there's a market for fat girl dancers. I I'm sure because there's, you know, there's all kinds of things you can do on the internet. There's, there's people who pay people to watch them eat. I don't understand that, but everybody's got their fetish and kink. Everybody's got their own kink and their own fetish. I, you know what I like? There's this little, these little people in like Romania somewhere cooking outside. Ever see this little, these videos they cook outside? I mean, over rocks and stuff. Beautiful. The mo- and you, all you hear is the chopping sound, like they chop on a stump and grind stuff. I mean, it's just, and it's so colorful and vivid. That's my kink right there. That whole cooking scene outside. And, you know, there's goats and stuff and land, sheep and running around. It's beautiful country. I, I know they're in like Eastern Europe somewhere. It's beautiful. I love it. And, you know, they're old as hell, but they, that lady be doing some work in that on that little pan and that blade of a knife. I was like, what the hell? Beautiful. You could almost taste what she's cooking. <laughs> you could almost smell it. It's that vivid. And I and you could hear the, the chopping. I mean, it's it is mesmerizing. So I know there's a market for all kinds of kinky things. I know it. I know it. So if you can watch there, if you can sit there, what I did, I watch this black couple. They make a million dollars a year. People tune in in the Asian community, tune in to watch them eat food. They like to hear it and see it. I'm thinking to myself, I, I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> I, am, I am way, 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 way wrong. I'm doing something way, way wrong. So I'm just so there might be might be a need for fat girl dancers out there. I don't know. I've tried. I you know my girlfriend had a pole, a pole dancing party for her birthday one year. So it come it started with uh you you get the lesson and then you we went across the street to the club 
and now she had already reserved the club. So it was a few, it was a few men in there. I think it was a few men in there to, to just like egg us on. Cause we were just ridiculous, but I walked away with a couple hundred dollars because people was throwing money at me. <laughs> I'm the worst pole dancer in the history of pole dancing. I don't know how these girls get around that damn pole. I was like, my arms all burnt up. I was like, oh. I was like, mm. so you know what I did? I just put my hand on the pole, walk around it. Just walk around it. It's hard to swing your body around a pole. I don't, listen, I got mad respect for those sisters that could get up, up and down a pole with the thighs and the legs and the heels and the hair. Man, it's a good workout too. I, I I would challenge anybody to try to get up. And there was men doing it too. Like up and down that pole. I was like, oh my God. I was like, oh, how hard can it be? Oh my God. It took, I worked up a sweat. I was like, oh my God. So there's, they, they offer... Um, pole classes not for you to, to actually become a pole dancer but as a means of exercise because it's a lot of work and and to crawl on the floor you know how they do that sexy crawl on the floor you, how hard that is <laughs> oh my god i was like i'm on i'm like a walrus on this floor i'm like oh and you have to be kind of look sexy and i'm like i'm looking pained right because i'm like Oh my God. And you have to, you have to be able to roll over and still have that sexy glint in your eye. What the hell? Get the, are you kidding me? Are you really seriously kidding me? So I did it. So yeah. So that was, that was my, that was my fun. That was, I, I've not been on the pole since, but I made a couple hundred dollars. These little men throwing me little dollars and $10 and $50 bills. I was like, okay. Yes. Hey, Harry. It's about time to call the letters in a minute. Do Can you, you hear me? me? Yeah, I see you. Why wouldn't I see you? Because I can't see me. You sitting right there on the uh, you sitting anyway, in the, welcome, in the well, studio. Welcome back, Babs. It's nice to be back. I'm going again next week. <laughs> what were we? What were we just talking about? Pole dancing. Oh, yeah, pole dancing. That time I I was at a pole party. When you were a pole dancer. Yeah. You were a pole dancer. No, I, not for real, Harry. Just for oh. kicks. <laughs> I did a, I did it one night, Harry. One night. One I knew night your resume night. was long, but damn. <laughs> pole dancing too. Yes. <laughs> I'm like that. That is uh, skilled. <laughs> Harry, I, 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 I don't think I qualify as a pole dancer. I pole danced. Okay. That's not the same thing. <laughs> It's like if I swim in an Olympic pool, Harry, I'm not an Olympian. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-mm. It's hard, Harry. It is hard work. It's very hard. Okay, now I see myself. I'm glad. Go. So you have a, a guest? Yes, um, Jonathan Quinn Berryman. Let's yeah, I know that on. guy. Yeah, I think he was on uh, somebody else's show yesterday. Ooh. The day before. No, so uh, I know you rubbed a lot of elbows um, this past week weekend. Um, I did, any, Harry. Any of them named Obama? No, I didn't see them. Oh, you didn't see them? 
we thought they were going to come to the concert because they have come to the concerts in years past. They didn't come this year, but they were they were already there because they were at the they were at the film festival, the African American Film Festival. So they were there because they had a film there. So they 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 presented their film. But I, we weren't there for the film festival. We had missed we had missed a great deal of it. Spike Lee was there yesterday, though. He had a talk at his house. You got you got to find a way to um to debut a some type of Love Babs trailer at the <laughs> festival. This way, you know, get sponsors. <laughs> Well, we about to do that, Harry. Honestly, I gotta, I gotta proofread my sister's um, stuff because she's, she's working on the sponsorship package. I got, she sent me the draft. I gotta, I gotta. She sent it to me yesterday, and I didn't, I didn't get a chance. I looked at it, but I didn't get a chance to proof it, edit it. I will do that today. We gonna get some sponsors, Harry, because I need a little more money. <laughs> how's, your, how's your sister doing? My sister's good. You know, she's building a um outside sectional for her. For her um her deck, my sister's handy. She's one of those. Oh, people. You, you, when you say she's building, she's building. Yeah, she's building. No, she's building. She, Not that she's paying somebody to build. No, she's building. She's building. Like, if, if I say I'm building, it's, it means I have somebody outside working. <laughs> no, she's building with her own. She got her own tools. What? Yeah, I tell Is you, it? there's she, nothing sexier than a. a a woman with a tool belt. Well, she she's got some good tools, Harry. She is she handy. Good, I love that she got some good tools, Harry. She got some good tools. <laughs> that sounds good. Sounds good. She's handy. She's super super handy. She listen. She she renovated both her bathrooms, laid the tile, put the tub in, did the she did it all. She's good like that. Paints. If she doesn't figure it, she fixed her washing machine and dryer. She now she's since bought new ones, but when they were on the fridge, she just got it. You know, on YouTube, Harry, there's a video for everything. Yeah. Everything. You want to learn yeah, how to fry know, chicken, I, Harry? I, Get a video. I, yeah, I did. I I fixed my fan in the living room that way. Oh, you did? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it wasn't, like, it wasn't anything know. genius though. <laughs> It I know, but like, you you got it done though, because you I got it just done. made the call. Like, but it was like because I kept shutting off the circuit breaker, but you had to shut it off for about two minutes. <gasps> I figured that out on YouTube. Two minute circuit breaker cut off. So, but anyway, you're listening to Love Babs Love Talk on WNHH LP one hundred three point five FM, your home for community radio. Um, did you get that email? Paul wanted us to read something. Yeah, do I do I do it today? Sure, sure. I wasn't sure. I didn't know when we were supposed to do it. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, well, let's do it. Oh, you want me to do it now? I'll do it. Okay. PSA yeah, yeah. for Hill House. Yep. I gotta make this a bigger print because I can't see. Uh so so listen, Linda wanted me to tell y'all. <laughs> <laughs> All the folks from Hill House High School, class of 74, uh, we, they want you to know, um, oh, they want me to know if I will communicate. Okay, here's a public service announcement, and we'll do this every week. We'll do this each week until October. Hey, greetings, class of 1974. 
Members from the James Hill House High School class of 1974 are coordinating a video class reunion gathering scheduled for October 22nd, 2022. It has been too many years since the class of 74 has been a reunion and members of our class are reaching out to connect with each other. When you hear this announcement, pass it on to classmates. The date again is October 22nd, 2022. The time will be determined and announced in early September 2022 through the email. So listen, get on the email list, write to hillhouseclass74 at gmail.com. All right. So that's the announcement. Hill House Class 74, y'all having a reunion, you get in touch with people. <laughs> there you go. Hillhouseclass74 at gmail.com. So Yes. So I'm gonna read it every day. If you if you know, if you're thinking to yourself, I wish. They could see me now. <laughs> Here's your chance. <laughs> Here goes your chance. <laughs> Here goes your chance. Or if you <laughs> wish they don't see you now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. If, if you don't, yeah, if you don't want to be seen. You know, I'm trying to think. I got thrown out of a few schools. If they could only see me now. <laughs> I don't think there's a reunion for that. I think people know who you are, Harry. I think, <laughs> I I think, think there's a reunion for how many schools you got thrown out of. <laughs> you should start it. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be a minimum of two schools. Uh, let's see. I got th- three. Well, I I got let in to two back in. So does that count? <laughs> yeah, I mean, but if you got thrown out, you got thrown out. So that counts. That's not right. You know, I was just, I was just, I was just a, a, a problem child. But that's okay. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say, I don't like to say problem child. I'll say you were a child in need of something. They just didn't figure out what that was. In need of a lot of things. Yeah. And and that's the, that's the, that's, that's the gist of all our kids, Harry. They need something. Definitely. Just, you know, definitely. And, and. I wish I was, oh, by the way, Babs, you doing yes. that announcement, that PSA, have you ever done voiceover stuff or voice I've done, I've did one for uh, Higher Heights. I've done, I've done them. You should. I've done them. You got, you got the voice. All right. All right. You should. All right, everybody. Y'all need me to read your stuff. Pay me. I'll do it. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Look, I don't look. know. Paul is a bad pimp. He should be pimping my voice out, but I'm not know. doing that. You're a bad pit, Paul. <laughs> He's busy. He's busy with the weather machine. <laughs> <laughs> he can't do everything. He can't do everything. He has a, he has in a drought right now. Uh, oh, By the way, how did this become California? Why, why is Connecticut in a drought? Harry, because people are not taking climate change seriously. Yeah, but you know what? This, this is just Connecticut. It's in a drought. If you look at it, it doesn't look like a lot of surrounding areas are in a drought. Connecticut. <laughs> What's what did we do wrong? Harry, I think I think I think uh <laughs> I, <laughs> don't don't no. are you trying to say there's a, a pox upon Connecticut? <laughs> no, no, no. You know, let me tell you. I was reading this morning. Look, <laughs> you know I gotta do conspiracy. I was reading this morning about, um, and I got to say, I've seen it so many times, but chemtrails. <laughs> what? The connect, they call it chemtrails. 
in the Connecticut skies. You see a lot of planes that are just oh, yeah. letting out that exhaust. And a lot of people think those are chemicals being laid in the sky mm-hmm. that cause a lot of weather issues. Um, they're just a side effect of, of global warming um, remedies. But there you go. Okay. Chemtrails, people. Chemtrails. I've seen it plenty of times. Some people claim as soon as they see it, they get sick. I never got sick from seeing chemtrails. Just from that's, seeing them? From after it's laid? Yeah. They say the chemicals somehow affect them. But you know how... how but not but not the Pop-Tarts and the Doritos. No, well, no, no, no. no. <laughs> Come on. No, that's no, not, no. That's not right. <laughs> right. I, know, I, I know we got to cut out of here. I know I came on late. But um, the last week, Babs, is the first week I hit a wall. I didn't lose or gain one pound. That's good. No, I, be, I had been losing weight. I have been losing at least three and a half pounds every week. Well, now you got now now you probably have to eat more food. Like use all your points. Oh, now, yeah, you gotta eat. Don't you eat less. Eat yeah, you gotta eat. Eat. Use your points. Just use your points all the See, way. That's why. That, that's why I was so troubled because I had left sometimes thirty points on the table for the day. I get forty eight, and I would. Not eat much and cram. So you're saying I should eat? I should yeah. eat my points. Yes, eat your points. That's that the only way you're gonna break the plateau. Seriously, because your body is already starting to get used to whatever it is you're doing. So you got to right. eat to the fullest amount, so it'll rev itself back up. Don't was- eat less because it'll 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 uh, it'll fight you back. So don't do that. Because I was thinking what. In the hell am I doing wrong? But nope, you're not eating enough. Everybody plateaus every once in a while. So. Yeah, so you just have to eat more. Eat just be like eat eat your points. Just eat them. Don't leave any points on the table. Yeah. So your body will respond. I know. I got to get over the the eating guilt. <laughs> I know that's why you have points. So just eat your points. They're <laughs> not going to give you more. They're not going to give you. <laughs> I'm thinking. Ooh, every, they're gonna give night. you a ridiculous amount of points. Be like, like yesterday, Ooh. I was at I left twenty two points on the table. Yeah, see, stop doing that. And I was thinking to myself, oh man, the day before I had left thirty. Man, I ate too much today. You know, it's weird. It's no, just... don't do that. That's old you thinking. That's old you. That's yeah. old you thinking. You got to change. Now your body's changed. You got to change your mind too. So you got to listen. I got these points. I got to eat them. That you know, you're not going over your points. Like you're not eating ten over your points or twenty over your points. Just no. eat your points. No, I wouldn't so, do that. Yeah, don't do that. I mean, just eat your points. So before we leave, Secolia Queens Denise says hello, and Sean Hardy says blessing. Hey, Sean Hardy, I owe him a call. I will call you today, Sean Hardy. And oh yeah, and don't forget the library is having their the jelly roll. Uh, uh, the Long Wharf Theater is putting on, um, you know, uh, Jelly Roll Morton, and uh, and we want people to uh, come. So tonight we've got some hot world class artists gathered to sing the music of uh, Jelly Roll Morton. So it's at the library, limited seating. I wish it was outside; that would have been way cooler. Then more people could enjoy it. 
see how I think? I'm thinking like a that person. You said Jelly Roll, and I'm thinking. <laughs> okay, see. Jelly no. Roll. <laughs> <laughs> That's not in your points. No. Okay, so yeah, you're over it. <laughs> All right. All right, we got to take a break. We'll be back with the uh, fabulous and always entertaining uh, Jonathan Quinn Berryman, who is uh, a good friend of mine. All right, we'll be right back. Okay, Harry Jones. And you're listening to 103.5 FM, WNHH. on his bait you're gonna let a good catch get away this song could be about how we first met but how are you gonna reminisce when you haven't got over him yet this song could be about what you're searching for you're looking all over town and i'm knocking on your front door Decision left me in dismay. This song should be done. When I got your call, saying you weren't ready for marriage, that you couldn't commit at all. This song should be about our happy years. Instead of so glad when he hurt you, I was there to dry your tears. This song could be about. See, I came to my senses, putting my feet back on the ground. One more time 
Good morning, good morning. Can you hear me? Of course I hear you. I see you. Where are you sitting at? Is this your house? This is my house. I'm sitting in front of my stoop. I said it's a beautiful day outside. I'm tired of being indoors. School is about to start again where I'm going to have to be somewhere inside. I said, you know what? I'm going to come and sit on the stoop this morning. I don't have a porch. <laughs> you have a stoop. Uh, listen, listen. A porch is anywhere, right? As, I, as, you, sure is. as you well know. So, yeah, school's getting started. Did you enjoy your summer? I'm still enjoying summer. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. oh yeah. Oh, please. I, yeah. Anybody, I, that's what summer's about. You figure out how to enjoy yourself. I, figure I out what that right. means now because it so, changes. So Jonathan hangs out at the porch, right? And we have these rich conversations. Some are not for air for consumption, but some are. And um, I was talking to him last night about you know, we always talk about education. We always talk about music. We always talk about music education, what kids need, what kids don't need. Uh, and it's like, just come on this morning. Give us give us a sense of uh, where we are education-wise. I remember when I was a kid, Jonathan, we always had music. I grew up having music. I'm not a musician, but I always had music instruction, music appreciation. All the way through college, too, we had music appreciation. I don't know if, if they still have that in schools as a requirement. It was required. I mean, it was just part of my day. So, yes. So, so interestingly enough, here in New Haven, which, you know, and I am biased. I admit that. 
but I think New Haven has one of the best educational systems in the state, um, and, and particularly for music and the arts. And, and part of that is because Benjamin Jepson, the, the person for whom Jepson School is named, was one of the first public music school teachers in the nation. Wow, I didn't know that. So, so in many ways, public education, having music in public schools in this country uh, is indigenous to New Haven, Connecticut. I love that. Uh, so, so Benjamin Jepson, that's why that school is named after. Uh, that, he, he carried instruments from school to school back in the early part of the, of the 1900s and, may, and was insistent that, edu- that music be a part of education in public schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, studies have shown that when there is music education in schools, students do better. Well, there certainly is a correlation. And you know how I feel. I said all of this stuff about science, technology, engineering, and math is cute. But it means nothing without the arts, that, that everything that science, technology, engineering, and math was designed to do was, de- was uh, uh, really stems from explaining artistic principles. So these are, so for what are I mean, why is the sky blue? People had to, that's how, you know, all these science things came out. Why do men and women sound different after puberty? That's a scientific principle. You know, how is it that these pitches sound good and these don't? Well, that's about wavelength and how they interact. So everything we have, even the piano, oh, that's an instrument. But do you know the technology that goes into building an instrument? The technological piece of instrument design is a whole separate entity from just being able to play it. And you I, need, I, lo- you need- I, love, I love the way... Now, I feel like I'm getting a real education right now. I love the way that you wove that into all the things we say kids need or interested in, the technology piece, the engineering piece, the building piece. And we're talking about an instrument. We're not talking about a rocket ship. We're talking about an instrument. And it requires the same commitment of of intellect, uh, math skills, engineering skills, physics, geometry, all the things to make the instrument. I like it. And, and if you really look at what most people are doing now, even with technology, TikTok is still very musical. TikTok, yes. <laughs> TikTok is musical, is music, is theater, and dance. It's the triple threat that the arts have always known. <laughs> we so just we... now have a digital platform to enhance all of that. So we should be embracing more artistic expression and artistic exploration that's what i'm hearing from you so so the artistic exploration is the foundation of everything we do so so what people are discovering and is if you you can have the technological piece but without the artistic piece you don't know how to apply the technology so it's important Mm, i like that i like that so so it's always been the marriage between the two that, mm-hmm. that uh, you know, people were artistic first, then they became technological. You can go always back to the sculptures of Michelangelo. Michelangelo, he was, Maya Angelou, Michelangelo. <laughs> but you can always go, you could go back to those sculptures. He was an artist first. 
and then had to figure out the technology of how do I get what I what do I see out of this marble. Titian's uh, red. He was an artist first. He said, "I'm going to make a red that they will be talking about for years to come." And <laughs> right. So it, yes. he was an artist first, but then the, techno- the, the technological piece, how do I mix? How do I master these ingredients to make what I see in my head? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, there's all kinds of science, technology, engineering, and math woven into the fabric of what arts really are. Mm. So New Haven is fortunate. We have a strong arts community that surrounds all these gazillion schools that we have um which i think is uh quite healthy and quite necessary um are we reaching as many kids as we should with our arts programs in our schools well i I think uh at the k-8 level we reach students uh the question do we go deeply enough is a whole nother question Mm -hmm. right you can reach me with stuff that I'm not impressed by. We, oh. we all can, we all get approached by stuff that we aren't impressed by. Go shopping at a store. They got lots of clothes. <laughs> uh, so, so at the pre-K through eight level, it's more about being uh, relevant. Are we, are, we, are we reaching them with things that are relevant? And, and even if they're relevant to the discipline, are we showing and embracing uh, surrounding and saturating students in, in how they are relevant to, to their culture and other cultures. Mm. At the high school level, unfortunately, we don't have arts access uh, fully integrated into all of our high schools. Okay. Uh, and that's simply an issue of let's just go on and do it and pay for it and stop playing. Uh-huh. Because once you get that educational appreciation K through eight, if you don't get it in high school, for some students, if they're not in some kind of musical program, like or going to a, a performing school, um, they lose they lose access to it. Except pop, just popular music and what they enjoy. Well, and 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 for me, uh, you know, I really I think we long realized that arts appreciation um, was not enough. Right. Okay. So, so uh, in in the Common Core standards uh, that were revised for music and art in 2014, we recognize that the arts are technical subjects. And at the crux of, of at the beginning of the artistic process is not appreciation; it's creating. Mm-hmm. So, so oftentimes, so it, even with these modern standards, there was a deliberate shift into the waste of money that we were putting into just having people look at stuff and talk about it. <laughs> that is not the point. You could do that anyway. That's why it's okay. And so now I know all this stuff. If I go on Jeopardy, I might be able to get a $200 question. But how is that going to help me? <laughs> so, so we now recognize that looking at it and listening to it is, is not the beginning if it is the beginning, it's the beginning of now you have to create something like it. Yeah. Right? So as the creation piece, what we were not doing before was understanding that we it is our job to create, to develop the artist in everybody. So, all right. Oh, oh that's a different, that's artist. a little bit of a shift right there. That, it's a I like that. Shift. 
Yeah. Like, no, no, no. I, I, the reason I show all this to you is that now you have to do it. And so, so I think about the people who watch cooking shows and then never cook. Well, what is the point? Okay, wait, wait. Why Hold up watch- now. Hold up now. <laughs> but in other words, at some point for it to be a, a, a full process, you then have to endeavor to do what you, you what you've been exposed to. Mm. So now that can you I know just, this, can I just watch the show because I enjoy it, <laughs> not because I want to cook? <laughs> you can, you can. I mean, so so, but it is so there. Wait, yes, yeah, some of us are consumers, right? So some watch because they like what they're doing; they want to be informed. Others watch because they actually want to put those recipes into play. Okay. So, so we differentiate. We understand that people are going to differentiate how they apply it. Mm-hmm. I'm not a cook at all. No. I, I, I mean, I know how not to starve, but I, you know, <laughs> you will not get fine dining from me, and and you won't starve either. But you might not desire what you have in front of you. <laughs> Uh, and you call so, yourself a Southern man? Are you kidding me? You know, I, when I when I put my kitchen and I said build it and they will come. Somebody's gonna cook something. Somebody's gonna cook a convection microwave. Sure, I'll get that one. Somebody's gonna figure out <laughs> an air fryer. I got one. Somebody's gonna figure out. So if you want, if you like to cook, come on in. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> the only thing I regret not having now is a pot filler. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I guess an old-fashioned sink will have to do. <laughs> so look, if you cook, I'll carry the water from the sink <laughs> to the pot. There you go. There you go. I think, Jonathan, when I first met you, I think I think you're the person I had this conversation with. I can't remember. It was a while ago. We were talking about school uniforms. Was that you? Oh, Lord. Yes, I'm sure it was me. Yes, you were coming off somebody else's show at WNHH. And I was passing you because I was coming in to do my set. And I heard you talking about it. And you enlightened me because I up until that moment, I rather liked school uniforms. I like school uniforms because I believe, like everybody else believed, that they were a great leveling field for kids, that other affluent kids and poor kids could exist without, without having to worry about if they are suitably dressed or have the nicer things or not. But when I heard you speak about school uniforms as part of the school to prison pipeline, a light bulb went off in my head. And I immediately began to understand that. And it changed my whole perspective on uniforms. I mean, it in that one conversation, it changed my whole point of view. I never went back to saying I am for school uniforms. So I want you to talk. I want you to share a little bit of uh, your feelings on that so people could hear what I heard, why I had that light bulb moment. Well, sure. So like you, I thought school uniforms were a wonderful thing until I did the research, um, the research in it uh, as part of a course I was taking at Southern as, uh, for my doctorate. Uh, and what I discovered was the uniforms come from the British schooling system. And, and if you go to the British system, every yes. has a uniform, every, regardless of, of, of where you go. 
all of the British system, all of the schools in the British system have uniforms. And, and they have specific uniforms so you know exactly where students go. Here in Connecticut, that's not the case. Here in Connecticut, the only people who, are, who have to wear school uniforms in public schools are, are those at the, who live in districts, uh, I'm going to say it the way I feel it, they live in the poorest districts in the state. If you live in a rich district in this state, they, uniforms aren't even talked about in the dress code. So here in Connecticut, if you wear a school uniform, not only do you probably go to a school that is in a poor district, you yourself might be on, you, you yourself might live in poverty. Oh. So if I see you in a uniform, I know you're broke. Oh. And you're probably black or brown. Ah. And, and then I thought, and so if, I, if you're in a wealthy white community, they don't even ask you to take your hat off. So what do I, so essentially, if, if you're in school in, in some of our urban districts like Waterbury, Bridgeport, uh, Hartford, where school uniforms are mandatory from kindergarten through 12th grade, Wow. If you're accepted into Harvard and you go to school in a Harvard sweatshirt, you'll probably end up in the principal's office because you're out of uniform. Wow. And then it doesn't, it, it, what I've also discovered is it doesn't hide who has money and who doesn't because our uniforms tend to be generic. Blue, a blue polo shirt and khaki pants. Well, we can tell by the thread count who has money and who doesn't. Yeah. So folk can look at whether or not your stuff is clean and neatly pressed and figure out whether or not somebody's taking care of you at home well or not. So, and then if we're all dressed the same, then I'm going to talk about your hair. If I want to pick on you, I'm going to pick on you. I'm going to find something else to talk about. Wow. So it, it, so school uniforms are not an equalizer. What they are is something, what they really do is make people need invisible. Wow, that's pretty powerful. That makes people's needs invisible. Because you no longer really see me as me. You see me as a cog in the wheel. And, 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 and that's prison. <laughs> that's how prison rolls. So the only two public institutions that mandate yep. attendance in a uniform are public schools that serve black and brown children and prisons. Oh my God, Jonathan. That is so crazy deep. That just, that just blows me away. It makes it away. easy to exchange one uniform or another. Do you have a paper Partially on this? Be- <laughs> well, I have a policy brief. And part, part of it is because if you go to school out of uniform, you immediately become a part of the penal system because somebody's harassing you about what you're wearing not about whether or not you're intelligent. Yeah. You're out of uniform. You got to go see the principal. You automatically go through a disciplinary process for your clothing. Not because, and you might be, like I said, you could be brilliant on your way to Harvard, but you're in the principal's office and, and we're in New Haven. You could be brilliant on your way to Yale <laughs> and you're in the principal's office because you aren't wearing what we told you to wear. How do we miss this, Jonathan? How do we miss these? How do we miss this thinking? How do we miss it? 
do do the people that make these decisions they don't come to it this way do they they think they're equalizing i don't know how do we how do we get the aha moment in the places where it should make the difference well first of all you have to have people in in positions of authority and policy making who actually read research and who actually respond to research and not respond to well this is how i grew up this i like this this is my gut reaction we have these people who ego trip instead of read research mm. and so that- my, and we got a whole lot of stubborn people who 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 like what they do and who talk a good game but that's about it mm. they 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 talk a good game but when you look at how they walk it ain't right that's pretty powerful to and there are more of those than anything else yeah that's pretty powerful we we really should do away with school uniforms they need to go they need to go outright and so so first of all second of all it is not academic to tell people what to do that, that is a <laughs> low that is so low level in this place where we're talking about high academic achievement and being self-actualized and analyzing and creating, yet I'm going to tell you this is what you do. That is not teaching. That is lording over somebody. We are, you have become an overseer, not an instructor. Ooh. So these vestiges of slavery are still in our public schools. Yeah, so we're gonna tell you what to do, when to do, how to do, and though we talk about academic freedom, you ain't got no liberty. Yeah, and you know it's. Uh, I just finished reading um, Four Hundred Souls, and uh, and the threads of slavery are so long and deep, like they are in our everyday practical lives, and how we have structure and order and particularly with the education system, it is it is quite chilling to sort of understand that and see the, the connection and the correlation between then and now and how all, all the things that we built upon based on the enslavement of people. It's, it's, it, I, don't, I don't know how we're ever going to get from underneath that. Well, I, I, part of it is you continue to to uh, uh, speak truth to power, and make sure it keep it makes sure it listens. That mm. uh, I think sometimes, and, and all of us are, are products of our environment. We're all products of what we grew up learning. And, and at this point in life, you know, I'm 50 years old. I know there was some stuff that I learned growing up that I now look back and analyze and see where it came from. And I realize. Uh, and that stuff has no real, found, no real foundation other than they were trying to run me. <laughs> I haven't heard that expression in a long time. <laughs> so many of us grew up with this idea that it was our job to run people. It was our job to be the boss. It was our job to boss people around and have them con- uh, conform to this status quo or to this system to conform to the system that was already in place rather mm-hmm. than to be your true best you uh, in your own system. Yeah. 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 
we weren't preaching. We weren't talking about self-actualization. We were talking about acculturating and assimilating and fitting in uh, to the what essentially is the white supremacist system that runs America. Yeah. Even yeah. look at corporate culture. You know, you were taught to do this, go to school, get a degree, get a job, and and stay there until you retire, get your gold watch, and go off into the fields of of, of, of Elysium happily. <laughs> that has completely shifted, but people are still preaching that same old mess. Yeah, go to school, go to college, get a good job. That's not even how it works anymore. Yeah, and nobody they aren't talking about entrepreneurship. They aren't talking about what do you do well at. Figure out how to do that. You know, everybody who's rich is talking about multiple streams of income, and we're still preaching go this one route. Mm. No. You do hair, you better learn how to do hair. You can get a corporate job, learn how to do that too. Do everything you can do, multiple streams of income. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm starting to sort of see the inroads of that, but I, I don't see it in the, I don't see it in the, at the high school level or the school level. I, I, that kind of conversation is usually happening after like once you get, after you've gone to college like no one is talking to kids about entrepreneurism they're not they're just not you know so and that's the, so that's where i am at this point in 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 education that from from preschool we need to talk about who are you what are you good at yes <laughs> you need to learn to read you need to learn to write uh oh, okay so i am the product of a i am a musician professional musician because my mother saw something in me and and sent me to piano lessons okay it was not my i there was no choice in that she said no i see it you're doing it <laughs> now all of us took piano lessons but i'm i'm the youngest of five all of us took lessons but i'm the only one who does it to the, does music to the extent that i uh that i do uh but but there were people who saw something in me in in my early formative years, and they pushed me in the direction uh, that was productive. Mm. So, do we have people who are who are looking at children and saying, "You know, you do this very well. You might want to go. Let me expose you to this over here, because I think you'll do well to that, well in that." And maybe to some degree, because we have these performing art spaces here. You know, we have um, the school downtown and ECA and, and kids that gravitate to and, and the neighborhood music school and, you know, and... And, and we uh, do. But we have a school system of 22,000 children. Well, yeah. <laughs> and and yes. my hunch is at best we're serving 2%. Yeah. But I imagine said, if a, we put that we, question to everybody. I'm sorry, even if we got to the talented 10th, that would be 2,200 kids. I'm, I don't see 2,200 kids who are out there doing stuff at, at the artistic level that they really could do it if they knew they could do it. Yeah. If somebody pushed them in that direction. I might see two to 400, but I know I'm not seeing 2,200. Yeah. No, I think you're absolutely right. Because we'd have a, we'd, imagine the dance groups, the, the orchestras, the bands, the choirs we would have if we had 20, even 10% of our students doing it at a level that we know they could do. 
mm-hmm. at that high level. No, I, I'm with you on that. I'm with you. So I'm it says you. to me that yes, yes, we're doing some some we're doing some things that are in the right direction, but we need to triple down on that right direction. Mm-hmm. So it's like a slot machine. Right. I, I remember years ago, I was playing a slot machine. I was playing one quarter at a time. And I got triple sevens and I didn't hit the jackpot. I said, why did I hit the jackpot? My first time there. And the person I was with, she looked at me and said, because you didn't play three quarters. You only played one. You got to put You got to play the max to get the max. Oh, we're playing one quarter at a time. <laughs> We need to start playing the max mm-hmm. so we can get the max. We don't have the max because we're not investing the money. Mm. That's a good point. And, and, and if we say we care about education, why are we not funding it at the levels that it requires? Well, Martin Luther King said it a long time ago. It's not whether or not we, uh, we have the capacity. It's whether or not we have the will. That's my favorite saying. If there's you know, no I, will, and it, and if nobody's up there talking about it, nobody's going to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, we we uh, and I believe there are people who are willing to fund it, but but they want to see it. They want to see your vision about what can be. Um, and uh, first of all, if you don't have the vision, nobody's going to put any money toward your uh whatever your proposal. We watch Shark, Shark Tank, right? People come in asking for money, and some of them go right out the door with nothing. So y'all got something going on, but it, it ain't it ain't doing, hitting on a thing right now. Y'all need to go back to the drawing board and see what you can do. <clears throat> yeah, I think uh, Arts World is the same way. We have people who are doing great things in pockets, but we need a collective vision. We need to come, and here, here is our collective vision as an arts community, of what we want to see. We well, I think see- I think Adrian Jefferson did a beautiful job of putting that cultural equity plan out there that people are actually working on, right? Like they're working on it in places, and uh, and and it's exciting. So, I mean, I've never seen anything like it, and I've never seen anything like it in this city. And I dare say, um, not many other cities, but they are starting to adopt that that very thinking of. How do we collectively have a vision around what we want to see um, at the very high levels of the arts community and at the very beginning of the arts community? And that includes everything in between. How do we how do we have this conversation as we have a shared vision? I love it. Exactly. That's why I said New Haven has it going on. You know, you have it. So everything starts with that process of, of, of people coming together to really look at what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, COVID obviously uh, put us all in silos and, and, and prevented some real heart-to-heart discussions that, that take place what, when people are in the same room. Because uh, that's a different vibe than what happens online. Uh, but I think New Haven has what it takes to make sure to not only drive Connecticut, but really to drive the nation. I work with school children who are absolutely brilliant. And they don't know it. They don't know. Wow. It. Wow. You know, they and I also recognize that it is it, 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 when they say it takes a, a community, a whole village, 
It does. It does. Our students need to be engaged not only with, with their teachers in school, but they need to be engaged with teachers across the district, across the uh, nation. They need to be in, in, engaged with uh, all of the artistic people within the community. Um, because I, you know, I believe that people are who they are when they're born. And it's about your connecting with the right people uh, at the right time that then propels you into, into your being who you were designed to be. Mm-hmm. And what I do know is people who have not figured out what they are supposed to be are very good at destroying what already is. <laughs> Intelligent people who are frustrated would tear your world apart. Mm-hmm. And they will do it as, they will do it in a way that is consistent. They'll figure out how to do it. Well, I've enjoyed this conversation, Jonathan. I enjoyed the conversation we have on the porch. I enjoyed this conversation. And I think people heard some things that got them thinking about art appreciation and where it ought to be. Uh, I think people are going to think deeply, more deeply about this uniform situation. Get rid of it. Uh, rid of, if you still, if you, if you still insisting that your school has uniforms, uh, uh, you, you are a prison master. And I, I just, I have no other way to say it. That's heavy. Well, yeah, it's stop being lazy and teach people how to dress appropriately for different situations. And have some some outlines for for that. This is what this this is what's acceptable in, in a variety of settings, and those and people have pushed the margins here that the the yarn. Uh, but telling people what to wear that is not freedom. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. And, and worse, thinking that people don't have enough sense to know how to dress is even worse. All right. Thank you very much, Dr. Jonathan Q. Berryman. Always a pleasure, always enlightening. Likewise. Enjoy the summer. <laughs> I am. It's a beautiful day. It is a beautiful day. I'm, I can't wait to get in it. <laughs> Don't forget right. to make your way over to the Q House if you, if you can, or you can watch it online. So I'll, I'll figure it out some kind of way. I know you're a music person, so this might just be just what you want to hear today. So you're right. You're right. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. I'll see you. I'll see you soon. <laughs> All right, Harry Drolls, play us out. Thank you very much for uh, a great show. I will be back tomorrow. And uh, let's see, who is my guest? What's tomorrow? Tomorrow's Wednesday. Why don't I have a guest tomorrow? Have a guest on Thursday, the Reverend Rosella Hughes. So I'm on my way out the door. And uh, I'll see you out here in these streets, and maybe I'll see you at the Stetson for the uh, Jelly Roll Morton concert. You're not, you're gonna love it. I mean, Chris Big Doll Davis, um, Ace Livingston, Misa, uh, and a couple of other folks who y'all know and love. Um, it's gonna be really good, and uh, I don't want you to miss it. So I wish it was outdoors because it's gonna be a great day to hear that kind of music outside would just be incredible. So anyway. I'll see y'all.
Oh, yeah. yeah. 